you're doing the work, you're going to do great. And as long as you keep in mind the purpose for why you're doing that, your, your intentions are in the right place. Welcome to my podcast, Keep It Spicy. My name is Shuba, and I will be your host for today's episode. Interested in hearing about love, life, travel, and career? I will be exploring all those topics and more. If you want to tag along for something fun, entertaining, exciting, and of course, spicy, hit that follow button so you can stay up to date with more episodes. Now, let's get into it. This is Keep It Spicy. Today's guest is Alexi Fikre. Alexi and I went to York University together where we both pursued a degree in communication studies, which we'll be talking about during this episode. She is one of the most insightful people I've ever had the lovely opportunity of studying with. Alexi has a keen interest in things like technology that have racial bias and its techniques being used in sectors like policing or legal governance. She's interested in using her knowledge of the field of communications to look into the Internet of Things and its effects on law and governance. Hello, hello, and thank you so much for agreeing to do this, Alexi. I'm so excited to have you on my podcast. And for everybody listening, Alexi, ladies and gentlemen, is our first recurring guest on the (laughs) Keep It Spicy podcast. The last episode she did with us was the Black Lives Matter episode. So check that out if you like everything you're about to hear and you want to hear more from Alexi. So thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I actually really appreciate it because we went to school together. We sure did. We had all the same classes together for like two years, I think, or were we two years straight? We had like all the same classes together. It was so great. Same tutorials together. everything. It was a lot of fun. So I'm going to start by asking you to tell me and our listeners a little bit about yourself. What have you, what have you been up to? What's the spice to your life, basically? I mean, now that it's COVID, I think a lot of us have kind of redirected our dreams and our ideas of what we thought we were going to accomplish these like next two years, three years. I know like for For me, like I was planning on going to law school. I had like a lot of different plans and now I'm kind of rethinking it, especially in terms of like what's going on in the world. But for who I am, my name's Alexi. (laughs) I'm Ethiopian and Eritrean. Uh, My nationalities, I'm Canadian and Dutch, which is kind of really interesting because I find that that always becomes a topic of conversation because I don't quote unquote look Dutch which is always an awkward thing to discuss. I'm 24 and I went to art school, which is probably the weirdest thing about me. (laughs) That's like a perfect segue to like my next question, which is like, what is like something about yourself that like people might be surprised to learn? And this is something maybe that we could have not necessarily been able to search up about you on the internet. It would definitely be art school. Like I went to school at, a performing arts school. So I did visual arts there, but I actually applied to go there to dance because I was a dancer and I couldn't get in for dance. <laughs> so I, because I was classically trained and they didn't want that. So I ended up going there for visual arts, which was kind of wild because at that point I had no professional, like I didn't take any drawing classes, but I had like the best time there. I cannot recommend it enough. It was so great. Oh my god, I had no idea you were like a dancer. (laughs) 
Yeah, I have like a lot of like weird hobbies that I got when I was like growing up because my parents wanted me to try everything. So I know how to figure skate, I know how to draw, I know how to dance. I used to be a gymnast too. Like it's what the I have heck? like I know, I have like a bunch of useless hobbies that are all like not quarantine proof. So Oh my god, no, that is they're not useless at all. Like we need to talk after this. Like I just bought a pair of skates. I need tips on how to skate. Like it's so hard. Oh my god. We'll chat later. But dang, I that's very interesting information. I had no idea. I'm I'm you've definitely answered that question. I am surprised to learn this. (laughs) (laughs) I know so many years we've been to school together. Now I know everything. Right? Oh my gosh. But anyways, thank you for sharing that with us. That's very interesting. So I'm going to start with like a little backstory as to why I decided to like make this episode, why like I invited you on here where I was like, okay, Alexi, would you like to talk about this stuff with me? So a few weeks ago, I posted a story on my Instagram about like this random dude basically asked me like, you know, where I'm from. And then I responded saying like, I'm Indian, if that's what you're asking. And from there, he went to ask like, okay, when did you move? Like, when did you move to Canada? Which like, I don't know, like, I just felt like, and this was like, in the context of like, romantic interest, I guess. And I just found that like, a little invasive. And I was like, okay, like, why are you asking me all these things? Like, do I look fob? Um, Which is like, which means like, fresh off the boat for those of you don't know, it's like for somebody like my parents are fob. There's nothing wrong with being fob, but like it's just like people that are like very like from the home country, like they only hang around like their people, only eat like my for example, like if I were fob, like I would only hang around like Indian people, only eat Indian food when I go out type of stuff, you know? Um, so I just was like, do I look fob or something? And then the dude was like, Oh yeah, just making sure. Just making sure, which was like, okay, what are you yeah, right? It's like what are you so making gross. sure? Right? It's like, what are you, what, excuse me? Um, so I just like posted that on my story. And I know for those of you who are following, I'm sure like you remember this because like quite a few people DM'd me telling me about similar experiences they had with these sort of like microaggressions um, with respect to like dating or the people they met. And then Alexi in particular DM'd me and she told me about certain stories and microaggressions that she faced, but more so in education. Um, so again, first things first, I know that that was like, it started off in the context of like racism and dating, but the examples that you had, like, I'd love for you to share that with my listeners, like, you know, where I asked this on my story and I'll ask it again, like, has anyone ever assumed something about you or they assume that you're not from here, quote unquote, because, you know, you don't look like you're from here, quote unquote, if that makes sense. So, you know, where have you faced similar microaggressions? And of course, like, I would love if you'd like reinstated those same examples that you messaged me, like how you faced that in like in education. Yeah, like, um, I grew up in an all white neighborhood in an all white area. So I was the only black kid. So for a lot of my life, like I didn't, I didn't really experience racism just because I had no counterpoint. And then those people also didn't know any other black people but me. So I wasn't necessarily black. I was just Alexi. So everything they learned about black people, they would only learn it through me. So when I really experienced racism, I was too old to be dealing with that shit. So I was like, the the one I gave you was, I I was at York, which is where we, we went. And I was sitting in a lecture. I was in a tutorial lecture. And the professor was talking and using an example. And somehow, some way, I, I replied and they said, yeah, that's because you're an international student. And 
I kind of looked so funny. (laughs) I kind of like stopped talking mid sentence. And I never forgot this because there was another Ethiopian kid in my class and he never paid attention. And he looked up and he looked straight at me and squinted. And I was looking at him and he's looking at me. And I looked back at our, like our professor and I was like, um, no, I'm actually not. And they're like, oh, well, you look like a, an international student. And that, that boy, I st- to this day, I never forgot his face because he was so astounded and I didn't know what to say. And so many people just were staring at me and I felt like so put on the spot because the thing is, there's nothing wrong with being an international student. But like I said to you, what does an international student look like? Diverse? Like, can a white person not be an international student? So I was like, uh, thanks, I guess. <laughs> and we just, like, me and the prof just looked at each other. And, like, he was smiling. He was like, yeah, like, you look like an international student. Oh, my gosh. So proud with his, his, uh, his so analysis. So proud. He was like, I did that. And I was like, you did. You really did. And I didn't know what to say. And the thing is, it's not the first time it's happened to me. Like, people often say I have an accent. And the thing is, I don't speak anything but English so I've always like wondered and I at first I never I never thought about this until I got to York and people would consistently ask me like where are you from and I'm like oh yeah I'm from Toronto because York is like right right on the edge of Toronto so I'm like oh I'm from Toronto they're like no where are you from I'm like okay well I'm from Scarborough if that's if that's what you're asking and like because it's so embarrassing because when you're from Toronto, like everyone I know just asks what area you're from to ask you what high school you go to. So I was just like, yeah, I'm from Scarborough. Like that's, that's where I'm from. And they're like, no, where, like you have an accent. Where are you from? My mom's uterus. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. And I was just like, I can't even tell you anything because I'm so embarrassed. I don't even speak my own language. So I, I'm from nowhere. Like I just from, I'm just Canadian. Like I'm, I'm sorry to disappoint you. And they're like, oh, okay. And I'm just, it's so uncomfortable. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And even on dates, like people would always ask me like, what you mixed with? And I always found that so offensive. I'm like, what are you mixed with? Why, why would you ask me that? Why don't you ask me like what I'm interested in? What, like, what are my goals in life? Like, that's why your thing, like your post really dug into me. Because it was like giving me PTSD from like pre-COVID because that's all people deal with. And I find that only like my diverse friends or people who are very visibly racialized people have the roughest time on like these these apps because you get people asking you things that they would never say to your face. Oh my God. Yeah, I feel you. I think like the biggest thing is more just like, why do people, I don't know, like, Again, just a reminder to everybody, these are Alexi's opinions, but I'm just like, why do you think this happens? Like, why is it? Yeah, is it because we're not white? Like, like this, we like, we just automatically don't fit in. I don't really know because I'm just like, why? Because like, you could have like a student from like a kid from like Germany or something who's like legit fob out of Germany. And just because this kid's white, you're like, you're not going to ask him the same thing. I don't know. Like, I'm just like, what? What? I'm just curious as to like, why do you think this happens? I don't know. In my experience, I find that it doesn't even just happen to me with white men. Like white men are definitely like, in my experience, a primary contender for truly some deep nonsense, like very racially driven questions. (laughs) Yeah. Like some poignant, 
you're like, um, thank you, sir. But I don't think what you thought you were doing, that compliment you thought you were giving me, it doesn't hit the, doesn't hit my target. I'm so sorry. I'm going to have to abort this conversation. But I think that in my experience, like it's just been men in general who are very interested, like, where are you from racially? Where are you, like, what are you trying to do? Are you mixed? And I, I've never asked a man that, like, have you ever asked like a guy no. where he's from? No, no, no. Well, I think like where, what they're, what they mean by that is they're asking about like our background, like our ethnic background, but it's just like, personally, like just ask me then what's your ethnic background? Like, don't say where are you from? I think like it all comes down to like the semantics of it because that can be like, I don't know, like at least that's like misconstrued on my end. I think, I guess if whoever asked me that is listening to this, <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> where are you from? Just connotes such a different thing. Like, the, my first response would be, well, I usually just say I'm Indian, if that's what you're asking, only because I'm like, I don't know if that's what you're asking, but if you're asking about my background, since you didn't ask in particular about my ethnic background, I'm just going to throw that in. And then, of course, if, like, they are asking, like, where I'm, like where I live, then they'll follow with, like, no, 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 I meant, like, where in Toronto are you from, or, like, where in Ontario? Yeah. So I do agree with you, but I think, yeah, I think they're just trying to like dissect your like ethnic background as like an icebreaker. I don't know. Which I don't know why your prof said that. Like so tasteless. Like that's not, that's not a way to discuss, like that's not a way to be an icebreaker. And I find that people are more worried about like the way, the reason why they ask that in that way, in my opinion, is genuinely because they're so worried about being racist that they'd rather sound prejudicial and then from prejudicial, they can sound like it's a preference. Like they like to do that tiered because being prejudicial is less, sounds less troublesome than being racist. And then saying that something is a preference sounds less gross, I think, it, than being prejudicial. So then by the time they boil it down to the point where you're just like, okay, I'm like, if you're asking me, ethnically where I'm from I'm this like oh no like that they can back out of it they're like well that's not what I was asking because they still have their answer and then they can like move it down the ladder oh my gosh yes I love and I love that you even mentioned that because it's like being prejudiced like they don't want to come out as like overtly racist even though like in the context of my example like I don't think that dude was trying to be racist or anything I think the dude was just awkward but speaking of that like I'd love to like move that to like my next question which is like one thing that I've noticed and again from what you're saying I feel like you have similar notions is that a lot of people being told that like they did something or said something that's racist kind of operates as like a blow to their self-esteem like no 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 I, I wasn't being I wasn't trying to be racist or like or, like this dude in the same conversation was like oh look at you trying to make me seem racist and I was like I okay um so it's like even if it is like an, a microaggression which like has like these racial implications the defense is like a quick like oh my gosh are you calling me racist I'm not racist yeah and, I'm not racist course- you are and then of course like I guess like defensiveness can be expressed in like many different ways so people might you know refuse to listen to like criticism or just like outright reject it or they might even resort to saying like but I don't see color like you know so why is it wrong for people to say they are blind to color because I'm going to be honest growing up like I heard this a lot from a lot of friends a lot of family and of course it was never in like a negative connotation it was more in the sense of like like yeah I'm not racist or like I I don't care type of situation, but I know now that like, you know, with the political and cultural and socio climate that's going on and just with like the things that are happening in the world now, it's like, 
no, don't say you're blind to color. Like, why, why is that wrong if you think it's wrong? And can you explain that to our listeners? The reason I used to think that color blindness was like good because when you're younger, that's all they tell you. Like in schools, they're like, we don't see race. We don't see race. And the thing is, it's not true. And for us to pretend that that statement holds any merit is a disservice to racialized people. Because the thing is, our color determines a lot of things for us, and especially like social placement. And until we change social placement, we, we do see color. And instead of worrying about equality, we should be worrying about equitable like results. So I always think about that image. I saw it when I was like in high school or something where there's a fence and equality is giving somebody, all these people, different height people, the same stool. But the thing is people still can't see over the fence, but that would be equality. But equity would be, or having equitable, um, like problem solving would be giving them ladders of different heights so everybody could see over the fence equally. And I think that's what we have to do. That's what the color blindness analogy erases from our discussion. We don't need like us to not see color. We need to see color and mitigate the the issues that are surrounding color in like you can't dismantle a structure if you refuse to see the people in that structure and you're calling them equal when they're not. If that makes sense. No, that makes perfect sense. I think, like, if I correct me if I'm wrong, it's more like you should acknowledge, like, because, like, the whole, like, notion of, like, I don't see color, like, of course, I think it comes from, like, a very good place, right? It's coming from, mm-hmm. like, a, a place of, like, innocence or whatever. I don't know. Like, there's no malicious intent behind it, but it's, like, it's kind of wiping out, like, all the struggles. You know what I'm saying? It's, like, yeah. when you look at, like, like a, an athlete, like, an Olympic, I don't know, like a, like, a really, really, like, star athlete or whatever, these, like, Olympic players or, I don't know, and you're, like, oh my god you're amazing but it's like you're that's it like I just see that I just see the performance and it's less about like oh but the struggles and the like broken bones and everything that came with it if that makes sense I feel like it's a terrible analogy but (laughs) no I get what you're saying it's the same thing it's like I well why don't we say I don't see gender or I don't see age they're important they're important distinctions we can't say I don't see gender when there are not a lot of women in IT and I like you can't be sitting in IT and say Oh, I'm sorry, we don't see gender. Or like in schools, we don't see age. Well, age plays a big role in like how schools are set up in grades. There's a reason there's adult school. Even though you didn't finish high school, there's a reason they don't put them in regular high schools. And that has nothing to do with grade completion. It has everything to do with age and maturity. And we base a lot of things around that. So it, it like... And you're right, the colorblindness argument is actually, it comes out of such a nice, like, really good, well-meaning place. And that's why it's so hard to explain to people why it doesn't work, because it, it sounds like it would, you know? Your ex- explanation of the, like, analogy of gender, that's like, sounds so much better than my lame figure, like, Olympic athlete. I got you, I was ready. <laughs> this is why, this is why we work together, Alexi, this is why we work well. <laughs> Um, so based on, again, based on these like cultural movements that have, that are, have happened and are still happening across the world, how do you think this will affect our future? Like, what are your thoughts? Like racism just seems to be so holistic. And I feel like the hard thing about dismantling it is not just the fact that it's, it's so deep rooted. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, 
to tell someone they're racist is still considered hurtful it's not this it's not like saying oh there's spinach in your teeth where you're like oh that's embarrassing like let me get that out like they stand there and they defend the fact that there's spinach in their teeth they're like no like i'm not racist you're blind you just don't understand what's going on and i think people have a hard time accepting it because racism isn't just an action like people think it's an action it's a world view and it's really hard to explain to someone who has an entire worldview why their worldview is inaccurate. And that is something I find that as people of color, we're not very um, understanding about, which understandably so, because this is violence on our community. But it's, it's something that we have to consider. Like, this is a worldview. This is how they, they grew up. They see everything through this, this lens. It's much harder to explain to somebody like that, that it's wrong because they have lived their whole lives, their breakfast, lunch, and dinner in this, and it doesn't affect them. So how would they see it? So I think that like when you follow diverse people, that's when you start realizing these things. I have people I went to school with, people I respect, but I respect them. I don't know if other people respect them. I don't know how other people see them because just because I see them as living, breathing human beings who deserve equal space to everyone else in this world doesn't mean that everyone else believes the same thing. And it doesn't mean that their lives are not in danger, just in virtue of me thinking that they're great people. And I think that's like that diverse worldview is something that people have to work towards. We have to follow people. We have to engage in these conversations because it's not even just happening by white people, like black people, like South Asian people. We're all playing a role in other people's oppression. And we're really just pointing the finger at white people, even though they are main perpetrators. But we should we should also be looking it within <laughs> our communities like, oh, that joke is messed up. Like there was a comedian, Timothy De La Ghetto. That's his old stage name. I don't know if you know who he I is. Do, I do know he's married to this Canadian girl. So who's also. Yeah, she's Habisha. Yeah, yeah, she yeah, is. Yeah. Oh, she's so she's so she's gorgeous. So yeah, what was I going to say? She's so beautiful. I like fumbled over that. <laughs> That's how beautiful she is. <laughs> but yeah, like when he, in COVID, he denounced his stage name. He's like, I don't want to go by Timothy De La Ghetto. He's like, that's been my stage name for years. Like I've made a ton of money being Timothy De La Ghetto. And like his name, he's Thai, I believe. And oh, his like ch- chatter- ch- it sounds like a yoga asana. Not, no, I'm not saying this to make fun of him. Like it's very long. Chantaran. I can't say it. We're going to have to Timothy cut that part. C. Timothy C. Timothy C. <laughs> and the thing is, I feel bad because I, I should be able to say his name because I am such a huge fan. And that's the point that he's making, that his stage name, like he denounced it, and people should be able to say his name any more than we say other people's names, like source it. I see. I can't say anybody. I tried to say so. Saoirse Ronan. Thank you. <laughs> Sersha, I, every time I look at her name, it stresses me out emotionally. But <laughs> no, but that's a valid point he makes. It's a valid point. And the reason why he couldn't go by his stage name, like he already thought he had something against him being Asian in what is predominantly, because he was in Wild and Out and he was in like what people consider like blacks, like digital black spaces. He was like, I was already Asian and I spent a lot of time playing into my stereotype of being Asian. But him being Asian and being on shows like Wild and Out, like I saw him. We all know who he is. And that brings me to the point, like is 
is bad publicity like still good publicity you know because now he's doing the like he's come out he's changed his mind but has his impact impacted like the black community growing up watching him kind of make all these racialized jokes for asian people about asian people is that now manifesting into something bigger you know oh my god oh wow let's you bring out the real question <laughs> sorry if it's anybody, something i've been thinking about oh my gosh don't say sorry if any of our listeners listening to this have an answer like dm us on our instagram and like we'd love to have an like we'd love to open the discussion on this type of stuff i just wanted to like backtrack on what something that you were saying talking about earlier about racism where it's like with some people it's like their breakfast lunch and dinner something that's just been put into them so basically i read a quote that said sometimes it's just not feasible to rise to every challenge or address every microaggression what are your thoughts on that in the sense that like do you do your best to try whenever and wherever you can whenever you feel like there's an opportunity to educate somebody or like correct somebody or like yeah en enlighten somebody I feel like that's a positive word to use like to enlighten somebody when you can because like you know you're doing your part or like the quote suggests do you pick your battles I used to be very gung-ho like I used to be very, very actually gung-ho. I don't even, you've seen me in tutorials. I have, have been buck wild from day one. But the thing is for racism, because I experienced it so late in life, I used to freeze up and it used to hurt me a lot more because I didn't kind of have like a background understanding why people were acting a certain way towards me. Like I grew up not realizing my skin color meant something to other people. And I also internalized a lot of like racist actions as like, oh, they just don't like me, like me, Alexi, the person, because I didn't know it was a systemic thing. I didn't know I wasn't being treated right because I was black. I thought I wasn't treated right because I, something is wrong with me. So the biggest thing, I, the one that like the two very big incidences where I didn't say anything that still like bother me today, was I was in I was in high school and I was in grade 10 and at the time I had really good grades and I was failing grade 10 French by 2%. Brutally, I was so upset. I was on sports teams. I, like I said, I'm part of a program too. Like I was part of a visual arts program. So if I'm put on academic probation, then I am no longer able to be part of the program. Like after two semesters, you get kicked out. It's It's like how all programs work. So I asked my mom to sign a form. I was like, can you sign this form to get me out of <laughs> grade 10 French? Because I, I was being ambitious. I'm an idiot. I don't want it. I could never speak French. Please get me out of this class. And she's like, yeah, no problem. She signs it. She's like, take it, charge it to the bank. Like, I'm not worried. You never needed to speak French. So I'm like, great. I went and I took it into my guidance counselor. My guidance counselor was like, listen, this is above me. You're going to have to take it to the VP. So I took the letter to the VP. I sat down. I was like, hey, I'm no longer taking grade 10 French. And the VP looked at me and he said, mm, no, you're going to. And I was like, no, this is, this is before the drop date. I definitely don't have to do this. And he's like, no, I'm going to make you. And I was sitting there. I was like, you can't, I have, this is my mom's signature. Like you can call her. I'm not going to do this. And he's like, well, I'm going to take it and consider it. So I thought, okay. Week later, I get called into the principal's office. 
And my dumbass thought I was getting an award, so we don't even oh have to. Oh my gosh, that's so cute. <laughs> because I was like, I have good grades. Like, I'm definitely here to get an award. <laughs> my, my stupid keener ass. I was like, yep, <laughs> here I am. So then I, I'm sitting on the bench and I'm looking at everyone on this bench and I'm like, this doesn't seem like award season. Hmm. So I, I went and told the secretary my name. She's like, yes, yeah, sit down. The principal will be with you in a minute. I was like, oh, shit. So then I'm hearing some girl crying her eyes out, crying her eyes out in the principal's office because the door is just wide open. And she's like, I know you're failing four classes. Don't worry about it. Like, we can work through this. You're such a smart, brilliant girl. Ba-da-da-da-da. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so nice of her. The girl walks out. She's like this teeny tiny blonde girl. Actually, she goes to York now, so that's why I'm not saying her name. And she walks out, and she's crying. And I'm like, oh, my God, are you okay? And she's like, yeah, I just got put on academic probation for, this, like, the third time. I was like, aren't you going to get kicked out of the program? She's like, no, we talked about it. She thinks I can get my grades up. I'm like, you're failing three classes? Like, there's only four a semester. So I was like, okay, I wish you the best. I get into the office. And the principal's like, sit down. I'm like, okay. So I sit down, and I'm just looking at her, smiling, because I'm a pip, like I'm a dumbass. I was like, yeah, okay. And she's like, you're failing classes. I'm going to kick you out of your program. I was like, this is the first class I've ever failed, and I got an exemption. Like, I handed it into the, the VP. She's like, well, I don't care. I'm like, okay. Okay, well, um... I don't know what to say. My mom signed it. And she's like, well, I don't believe you. I was like, this is a very different tone. I was like, oh my God, she's so angry. So I, I was like, okay, well, can I, like, I, I, I swear that's my mom's signature. Like I just kept stuttering because I was so, I've never been in trouble before. I was like a straight A little, like award-winning little pip. So I was like, I don't know how to deal with conflict. So I was like, I don't, I don't know what to say. And like in my culture, you don't, you don't talk rudely to like authority figures. You, you probably know this too. Like the older you are, the more respect you garner, no matter what. So I was trying so hard. And I was like, I listen, I don't know what to tell you. And she's like, I need you to call your mom. And at the time my mom worked night shift at a credit card company. So I was like, Oh, well my mom, she works nights. So I, I can call her, but she's going to be asleep. So she might not pick up. And she slammed the phone. I never forgot this. She slammed the phone right in front of me. She said, call her. I was like, okay. I pick up the phone. I call my mom. I was like, hey, mom. And she's like, hello? I'm like, hi. I know this is early for you, but I'm sitting in the principal's office. You told me I could drop grade 10 French, right? And she's like, yes. Is that all? Are you bleeding? I'm like, no, that's it. So I go to hang up the phone, and she ripped the phone out of my hand. She broke two of my nails. And like what? Yeah, the principal? What the heck? I never when I tell you I have this this memory seared into my brain and she snatches the phone and she was like you have the most disrespectful daughter. She's been sitting here rolling her eyes at me and I was like I have never rolled my eyes at anybody. Oh like and I was like oh my god and my mom's like listen, I told her she could drop grade 10 French. Is there an issue past this? And she's like, you need to come down here. I don't care about your job. You need to come down here to talk about your daughter. And my mom's like, she got really quiet. And she's like, I'll be there in 30 minutes. So she slammed the phone and she's like, get out of my face, sit outside the office. 
And I was sitting outside the office and everybody can see me. So everybody's walking past and everyone's like, Alexi, you okay? And I was like, yeah, my mom comes in. My mom, she's, she's well-educated. She speaks seven languages. She's an engineer from the Netherlands and she dresses to kill. So my mom showed up in a whole pantsuit, (laughs) small purse. (laughs) She's like, hi, I'm here to pick up my daughter. And the secretary took two looks at her and she's like, who's your daughter? And she's like, Alexandra and the secretary got up ran to the principal's office told her what my mom looked like came back the principal kept like stayed seated when my mom walked in she got up so fast and she's like I'm so sorry um are you Alexandra's mom she's like yes do we have an issue and she's like let me let do you want tea do you want water none of these things exist oh my god and she was like running to like accommodate her And my mom was so mad. And that was like the first time I ever realized like the reason why I wasn't acting like anything. I wasn't. I was sitting quietly because I know in my culture, you can't disrespect your elders. I would never. And I realized what it was. I was like, it was like the first time it ever clicked for me. I was like, it doesn't matter what I do. People are going to treat me like this because I'm black. Like I didn't realize until that moment. I was like, I didn't do anything wrong. Like I have straight A's and I, I can't believe this. And she, she was going to treat my mother like shit because she has a really thick accent. And the second my mom showed up in a business suit, she changed her whole mind. And she is scrambling now because she knows she picked the wrong mother of the wrong black girl to try and bully because she, she thought working night shift or being an immigrant, like, didn't, it wasn't the equivalence of, like, the respect she would have treated somebody else's parent. And that, like, that always cut me. And I always wanted to say something to her. And after that, honestly, I used to see her in the hallways because she used to walk around. And she'd always try to make conversation with me. And I was so cold because I was so hurt at the way she was, like, the way she talked to her mother, my mother. Like, I, that's always seared into my brain because my mom's so well-respected from just being, like, just being my mom. She's such a nice person. And like to this day, it eats me. It eats me up inside that I never said anything to her because I didn't. I still treated her with respect and like, like I, it eats me up. And I always thought if I got the opportunity, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't put up with this. And then it happened again at York with the Dean. And I was like, I can't believe this is happening again. Cause the Dean of, um, our program, I went into her office to ask how I would apply for law school because I was, I have an, I, I was getting an IBA. So I needed her permission specifically. So I asked her, I was like, Hey, like I'm coming in to talk about an IBA. Like I need to figure out how to get into law school and what credits I need to get before I apply for law school, because I need a certain amount of credits and I need to figure out what is going to get me like the best route there. So when I booked the appointment, when I walked in, I sat down. She's like, well, what classes are you failing? Without looking at me. And I was like, um, I'm not. And she's like, so why are you here? And I was like, I'm here to talk about my IBA. And she's like, I'm sorry, what's your name? I'm like, Alexandra. And she typed up my name into the computer and she's looking at my GPA and she looked back at me and she's like, oh, well, what do you want from me? I was like, this is the rudest Yeah, experience. okay, this is, yeah, oh my gosh. <laughs> and I, I went through the list because I came with like a list of things that I wanted to accomplish. And I went through them one by one. And she kept trying to tell me like, no, that, do- that doesn't make any sense. I was like, I combed this 
website with a fine tooth comb lady. Like you can't (laughs) tell me this isn't what it is. And at the end of it, after she has my GPA, we go through it. She realizes I'm obviously not failing and I'm not on academic probation. At the very end of it, she looks at me and she's like, you're a nice girl, but I don't think you could be a lawyer. And I was like, so I was like, oh, why do you think that? Considering it is my, the beginning of my second year of university. I don't know how you came to that conclusion. So I was trying to be nice. I was like, I'm sorry, what? And she's like, yeah, I don't think you're cut out for it. She's like, I don't think you're, you're that smart. I don't think you can get your grades up. Mind you, I had a 3.7, irregardless. And I was like, well, you know, this is my first year completed at university. They're considered your lowest years. Your first year is your lowest year. So I think I can bring my grades up, even though I'm well within my right to apply for law school with this GPA. And she's like, no, I think you're being too ambitious. You should be a professor instead. Maybe that's oh more God. your speed. What the heck? more your speed oh my god and that's why i think like i i've never wanted to get someone fired so badly like i thought about (laughs) it for weeks i was like who do i talk to i googled it i was like who do we talk to and i realized it's not going to bring me anything and that's the thing about these microaggressions even if you fight them on your their merits because what this is is just plain and simple racism like it has nothing to do with me i have to 3.7 like and York goes by the nine scale, so I converted it to make sure because I was applying for universities outside and I wanted to apply for universities in the States. And I looked at her and I, I just remember like, is this really worth it? Because nothing will change her mind. The fact that I came and sat down in her office, she never checked my name. She never even looked at me. That's what blew my mind. She never looked me in the face and she just thought, what are you failing? And that's why I no longer think like I used to be gung-ho. I used to fight everything and everyone. And I realized people like that, they don't change their minds. And the only thing that can change it is, is not even you, not your attitude. It's, it's life experience. Eventually she's going to get nailed for something else. It's not going to be me. But the thing is, I don't think these people realize how much you carry this with you. This happened in my, the beginning of my second year. And I remember it so vividly. And that's what, like, I want people to remember, like, you think that these comments are just, they dissipate over time with age. They don't. Like, you remember these things. I'll probably remember this till I'm well into my 60s. And it's, it's unfair for educators and people in positions of power to motivate people, especially students of color. You shouldn't be in a position like that if you're going to treat your students who need you the most especially like people who are failing, people who are potentially going to drop out, you should be so much more different in those meetings. You should have a way different attitude. You should not be an educator if that is your attitude about students who are failing. Thank you. Oh my gosh, thanks so much for sharing that with us. That was such a vulnerable, like both those things to share with us. Like, thanks so much. Like, that was so vulnerable and it's so unfortunate that that had to happen like not just at like a high school level and then like again at university man but york is like messed up on so many levels like racism is not even that's like the beginning that's not even the top <laughs> not trying to hate on them though i did have some fun times but like you you get what i'm saying yeah but, oh my gosh well i think that like that's a lovely way to answer the question where it's like yes it would be great like yes because of the weight that the comments and the microaggressions carry with us like yes 
it would be great to find a way to solve every single battle and stop every single aggression from happening because they do carry so much weight with us. But you said it so nicely. Like, is it going to add any value to you? Like, is this something that's so out of your control? Like, it's not going to do anything for you, right? If you were to go like, I don't know, like told on this teacher and I don't know, like got her fired or something. It's like, it's not benefiting you, right? It's not adding value to you, to your life. So I think that's like a very good way of like placing it. I hope that any of our listeners who are, you know, having similar thoughts where they're like, how do I pick and choose my battles? Like, how do I pick and figure out what is like worth fighting for? Like ask yourself, I think like, is this going to add value to your life? Is this helping you in some sort of way? Is there something to gain in this basically? Yeah. And will it change that person's mind? Because you should not bite like fight battles that are not going to impact the person that you wish to impact because at the end of the day that's what that's the goal of this it's not going to make you feel better you're still going to remember this comment so you have to really decide is it really going to make that person change their mind if not it's not worth your time very well said so on that note like i know that there may be some people who are listening to this podcast right podcast right now and think to themselves okay yes i i want to do better i want to you know i want to learn more i want to be better but sometimes we don't know how to begin so for starters what are some books that you think people should read to understand the concept of race better so the thing is i i'm a really (laughs) i read a lot i read so much i I can't even explain to you the amount of money I spend on books a year. It's definitely well in the three grand category. So I I would love to recommend a book, but the thing is, I feel like books on race all, always have issues. And I don't mean that in a critical way, if that makes sense. Either the books are too academically leaning where you won't get the jargon if you didn't take like a race class or if you like... How are you to know what intersectionality means if no one explains it to you or there's no definition within that book? I can't recommend books, but I can recommend other materials. So the my favorite ones, actually, truly my favorite, is this one group discussion called The Grapevine. And it's a YouTube channel. It's run by, I think she's a Nigerian-American girl. And it's co-run and they have these discussions where they bring up an issue. So they will bring up college admissions or they'll bring up, you know, the Black Lives Matter march and they will have a diverse panel, a huge panel of people discussing their own views. And that way you get also a lot of different people with diverse opinions who may not agree with each other. And I find that that's a really interesting way to learn about race or to learn about any issue really. She talks about a lot of different issues and the panels are amazing. It feels like more of like a group discussion. It feels like friends just hanging out over coffee and there's like at least 10, 15 people having these discussions. So the YouTube channel is called The Grapevine. But for people who are more, who already understand the jargon, who really understand what's happening, who've got the language for it, because I understand that's really difficult to initially jump into. It's kind of the deep end. There's a YouTube channel. She also has an Instagram and it's called For Harriet. And she is so, oh my God, she's so good. I have never had race discussions or listened to race discussions done so well. She discusses like, intersectionality, sexualization. She discusses misogynoir, which is black men's role in misogyny and like how it intersects with white supremacy. She really has 
are Dang. misogynist. These are these sound like spells. I'm like, oh, okay. I know. <laughs> That's <laughs> why I think that oftentimes race talks are really exclusionary, and they only are able like you're only able to have them with other people who already have like done college or not even college university levels and in university took race classes, which leaves out a huge amount of the population to have these discussions because they don't have the jargon for it. So that's why I recommended the grapevine first. But for people who already have the jargon and like really want like an in-depth understanding about race and race politics, for Harriet is, I can't recommend her enough. Incredible. So good. So those are the people I'd recommend outside of like David So because he talks about race often on his own Instagram. So if you follow him, David So Comedy, he talks a lot about race. And if you do want books, though, there's this girl. She's on what's called BookTube. I don't even want to discuss how I know <laughs> that. But <laughs> um, she's called the Artis- um, Artisan Geek. And she does a lot of diverse reading. So she'll bring up books from different eras and written by different authors from different ethnic backgrounds with different cultures. So books that have been translated. So I think like that's also a good way to show support and like learn about other cultures by reading books from other written by people from other countries, because the way storytelling is done in other cultures really impacts how you understand their socioeconomic and their political spheres. Uh, in my opinion. Oh, I love that. Thank you for all these amazing resources. Wow, look at you. You came so prepared. I love it. And this is my final question before we head into the lightning round. So according to Major Kapler, who's like this Huffington Post author, racism isn't only like conscious like hatred, like, oh, I just like hate you because you're a person of color or whatever, but it's also like the summation of like, you know, so many like implicit unconscious prejudices that can like grow and then they like solidify obviously, if they go, like, unchallenged. That being said, the subject of race is, like, super sensitive, as it should be. But what are some, like, uplifting words that you want people to know as they make this effort to, you know, break, to dismantle it, so to speak, and, you know, or just make that effort to be more mindful in their perceptions and views? I think for people who are trying to dismantle racism and on their own racism within, like, the way they walk through life, you're going to, you're going to fail sometimes. And the thing is, you shouldn't take that into meaning you're not doing the work because there are definitely times you're going to prejudge somebody or you're going to think something racist or you're going to kind of fumble because the thing is, anybody who's learning or unlearning and de-skilling themselves in terms of like racial stereotypes and just overall prejudice, you're not going to get it on your first try. So you are doing the work you're doing the work, you're going to do great. And as long as you keep in mind the purpose for why you're doing that, your your intentions are in the right place. And I feel like, especially when we talk about racism, you also have to make it sure that you're doing that across the board. Like you should be intersectional about how you're de-skilling yourself and de-skilling these hegemonic norms and stuff, or like what you believe to be true. You should keep questioning them because it's more important that you question what you believe to be true than you doing, you walking the walk and not understanding what, sh- what you're walking for, if that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. Okay, thank you so much. This was a lovely discussion. And now we're going to switch the intensity on the questions a little bit. We're going to hop into our <laughs> lightning round. Are you ready? I am. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's time for the lightning round. Are you a morning person or a night owl? Night owl. What's your caffeinated beverage of choice? Cappuccino. Oh, I like that. I love a cappuccino. What is your favorite item that you've bought in the past year? Um, <laughs> it's a book. It's actually my friend's art book. His name is Matthew Lee. He made the most oh. incredible art book. It's a photography book of his trip to Hong Kong. And like, especially now what's happened in Hong Kong, like it, it really breaks my heart. And it was it was incredible. It's the most incredible thing. Matthew Lee, that's his name. Oh, I love that. Would you rather live without heat and air conditioning or live without social media? Live without social media. <laughs> Would you rather be an Olympic gold medalist or an astronaut? Gold medalist. <laughs> What's the best advice you've ever received? The best advice I've ever received. It's definitely something my mom has said to me. I'm trying to pick her best gem. My mom always tells me to let things go. And I think that's gotten me so far in life. I cannot emphasize that because by letting things go and not sweating the small stuff, it allows me to be really like genuinely happy every day. And I like I battle like depression just like anybody else. But by letting things go and just coming to terms with sometimes things just don't work out for you. That has made me so genuinely happy every day. Oh, I love that. And on that note, what's the worst advice you've ever received? Oh, my dad's advice, which was, listen, if someone's pissing you off, let them hit you once. And after that, you can beat the shit out of them. <laughs> and oh I promise God, you, so that was the advice my dad gave me for the same issue that my mom gave me that advice. And his advice got me sent to the principal's office. But oh everybody was scared of me. So that was, that was great for him. Was it a total lose-lose? <laughs> it wasn't some- quite. <laughs> oh my gosh. What song or album could you listen to on repeat? It's Anderson Pack Malibu. Oh, all right. I see the vibes. Okay. <laughs> what is your favorite midnight snack? Honestly, it's chocolate. <laughs> Same, same. Oh my gosh. Yep. What cartoon character do you wish was real? Penny from Proud Family. Final question. If you could describe yourself as a flavor, what would it be? This is not racially based, but chocolate. I'm so like... (laughs) That's okay, girl. That is okay. It is open to your interpretation. And I love chocolate also. So So good. (laughs) Right? Can't go wrong. Awesome. Now to wrap up this episode, we wanted to send you all off with a quote and Alexi, you're the special guest. So I would love for you to do the honors and, you know, read it out for our our listeners. None of us alone can save the nation or the world, but each of us can make a positive difference if we commit ourselves to do so. Cornell West. Yes, indeed. So again, thank you so much for joining me, our first recurring guest. So reminder, (laughs) if you liked what you heard here, um, tune back into the Black Lives Matter episode to hear a little bit more from Alexi and other friends about their experience. And yeah, thank you so much for joining me, Alexi. This was a lot of fun. I hope hope that this has inspired whoever is listening to want to do better, like do their part in, again, like the quote said, making a positive difference in the world if you just commit to doing so and doing your part. So I hope that we've inspired whoever's listening to this and yeah, good luck in everything and good luck in figuring out, you know, life. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this. 
that brings us to the end of this episode. I hope you folks enjoyed that. Join me next Sunday for another episode on Keep It Spicy. If you want to stay in the loop, follow me on Instagram at underscore Keep It Spicy and on Twitter at Keep It Spicy Pod for more related content and some pick-me-ups in the middle of your week. Like, comment, and share the content and podcast with friends and family. On that note, remember folks, keep it spicy, yours truly, XX.